Welcome everyone to your ongoing journey or leap into a new world of opportunity. Inside Japan Podcast is a stepping stone for your next adventure. It is a show filled with informative interviews, perspectives on local life, and how you can master your path into the unknown. For today, kick back and listen to the wisdom of our host, James. James here coming with you with episode number 83 of the Inside Japan podcast, the last real show of the year before we get to the year in recap show. Uh, yeah, so first we get for you this week's awesome episode. Really good one this week. I want to say thanks for last week. Last week I wrote about, uh, I, I wrote about, I talked about why I'm leaving Japan. And I guess the clickbait effect was real because it's uh, it's getting a lot more lesson, li- listens than the average episode. So yeah, thanks for that. I guess I should talk more about that or create more clickbait topics, I guess. But uh, I won't do that though. But yeah, I'm sure that'll, next year when I actually do move, I'm sure it'll be a bigger topic for sure. But uh, this week, Got a chance to talk to someone I've been wanting to talk to for a long time. Um, I'll read his quick Twitter about Twitter blurb first. He the reason I really the reason I thought it was a good time to interview him because he is starting a pizza joint and craft beer bar in Gunma. And that's what we call Blue Ribbon Pub. So I was like, okay, anytime someone's opening a restaurant in Japan, it's always interesting to me. Hey, the process is kind of cool and takes a lot of work and it's a big commitment to do that. But I actually followed this person a long time ago. Uh, many many moons ago, for a different reason, doing something else in Japan that I think is really cool. Uh, I'll lead. I, I talk about it enough in the interview, so I'll, I'll let, let you hear about it there. Uh, but yeah, go follow it, check it out, please, because it's really really cool. And I really do think if timing was different, it would have been even bigger. But uh, yeah, let's get to it. Before, without further ado, come on, I'm blabbering on here. My interview with Jesse, uh, soon to be owner of Blue Ribbon Pub. Uh, hope it, I hope really really hope it works out because this guy's really nice for me this time and uh, yeah just seems like a cool guy making things happen so here's my interview with Jesse enjoy all right guys very special guest today his name is Jesse how you doing today Jesse doing good doing good how are you yeah you know I reached out to you on Twitter uh, after I saw you starting a restaurant and uh, definitely want to talk about that a lot for sure but I kind of right. want to talk about something else first. Something that I've I followed you for much longer than you might realize. Oh boy! Uh, a little, probably ten years ago now. I watched a show on YouTube. Are you kidding me? It was awesome. Yamato <laughs> and it was really great. Um, it was really good. And I, I Roman and I. You know, I just oh, man. I guess before we get too too much blabbering from me, tell tell us how did that start? Let us know for anything that doesn't know what that is. What what is it? So it you know, me me literally, it was the guy who lived in the town next door to me. Uh, we were out in Gumaken in uh, Agatsumagun. And uh, we, like, he was studying Japanese, like, hardcore. I had studied it in college. But he was, like, pounded the books, going to a uh, private tutor, because he came to Japan with zero. And then we both took JLPT2 at the same time. This is back before the, the N levels were around. But we both went and took level two. And we both passed. I was like, this guy is a, is a genius, because he picked up Japanese like nothing. And so we were, you know, we'd hang out at, e- at each other's apartments and study. And then when the test was over, like we looked at each other, and we're like, oh, we don't have any excuse to hang out anymore. Like, what are we going to do? And then I was going, you know, I've been following these um, back in the day, pre-YouTube. I was like, I've been following these video podcasts. And like, I think we should do one about Japan. And he was like, okay, sounds weird, but let's give it a try. And so we basically just grabbed my camcorder and went out to the nearest big city, which is Takasaki. And we just would come up with really dumb things to ask people. But we were like, let's ask in Japanese. Let's keep it, get our Japanese better. 
you know, and it just turned into this thing where we ended up doing it every week. Um, we had technically, we called it three seasons over the course of about six months where we kind of, we started with these interviews and then we started doing like weird, like, you know, sort of short films. And then we moved into, like, we did a thing where we interviewed Debbie Toe, which was totally weird, but you know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I definitely remember that one. <laughs> And that, that one went on so long, we were like, oh, this has to be like four episodes. So that's like kind of a dark spot of that season too. But anyway, it was it was a grand adventure and it was a lot of fun. And it, we both, our contracts were up and it was time for us both to leave Japan. And that was it. Um, we kind of had some people in town who, there were two um, two women we knew who were like, hey, we're going to do like the sequel that'll be called Yamato Nadeshiko. And I was like, oh, that's brilliant. And they made like one episode, but it didn't ever make it on the internet. And then um, there was a guy who was also in the other direction uh, next door. He helped us out with a lot of videos. Uh, his name was Luca. And he ended up kind of taking it over. And he ended up working with another guy um, and made a whole season of Shin Yamato Dameshi, they called it. And it was really interesting. Yeah. It's tough to kind of explain. It, it really, it, it's kind of hard to explain how it's, it was unique at the time because this was not the time when there's like, vlogging is not a thing right now. It's just, right, and you guys right, just right. went out there and talked to the people and it was always interesting. It, you guys have a good way about you and they kind of banter <laughs> back and forth. And I, I really think it was really, I wish it could have kept going, I guess is what I was trying to say. But it was, it was just so many cool things and so many cool ideas. It seemed like a simple idea, right? But it was just, no one was doing this back in the day. Right, 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 right. Because we just wanted, and, and it, was, it wasn't just us. It was like the people we ended up meeting also. We met some really great characters over the course of that. And then we ended up getting contacted by a group of self-proclaimed otaku. And um, they were like, hey, we want to take you two to Akihabara and show you like the real Akihabara. And... It was amazing. It was like literally this group. And my Japanese was not nearly as good. Like it has definitely gotten better. And at the time, I could hardly understand a word they were saying because they were very net lingo. You know, I, I, this was pre me hanging out on the, on the chat rooms. And so I didn't know. Like they, there was one joke where the guy goes like, I go, what are you interested in? He says, I'm interested in light novels. But like, you know, I was like, oh, you're interested in writing novels? That's really cool. And he was like, no. <laughs> so it was it was just wacky and like it was just so much fun. Obviously, you know, for me it's always it's all I love I love the episodes, I love what you you did. But do, do you look back on those days with the, you know, happy feeling or what do we think now? I do, I do. Of course I do. Of course I do. In fact, it was funny that me and a friend, we actually I don't know if you ever saw my next project, which was me and my friend, we worked at uh, Square Enix in LA. And he also is a fluent in Japanese guy. And I was really into Nico Nico Doga at the time. And so we formed a unit we called Kai Guys. And we would, we did a sort, sort of different thing than Yamato Dabashi because we weren't in Japan, we were in LA. But what we do is we'd like just do these, we did uh, imitating um, Matsuoka Shuzo for a while. Where we'd like go, tikiru, 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 moto and people like we'd put these videos on Nikon Doga, and people are like, who are these white guys and why are they doing Matsuoka How do they even know who Matsuoka Shuzo is? I was, again, very heavily into Nikon Nikon Doga at the time. And um, I, we ended up doing uh, uh, some Let's Plays, and they took off. They were, they were doing wonderful. And we ended up getting to meet a lot of the people from Nikon Nikon Doga when they had their sort of US office. And they invited us to some anime conventions and we did some emceeing and that was a lot of fun. And it was right around, I had my first child and it was funny because the guy I was doing it with was like, 
dude, we can make this into a thing. We should be YouTube stars. We should just go to Japan and like make the best because Nico Nico Dogo was like, hey, if you guys want a job, we're willing to hire you. We were like, and I was just like, I can't do it right now. I just have reached a different plateau in my life. You know, I, I can't leave. I can't just up and leave with a new baby. And um, so he ended up kind of doing this music thing for a little while with another friend. And, it, you know, it all just kind of spawns these projects. And it, it's just, if nothing else, it's fun, you know? Yeah, I always like, just for me, it's because people always like to say, like, the beginning of the YouTube, of, of Japan YouTube was like Tokyo Kuni. And the, the, and, but really, it was before that. You know, you guys <laughs> came before that. And this is, you know, you got to get past 480p, but they're still worth watching. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was very, very long time ago. I still have that camcorder. It is, it's like DV. You still, you have to find a Firewire cable to get it hooked up. I have one last computer that even has a port for it. So it's like, once this computer's gone, that DV cam's got to go away. <laughs> a piece of uh, Japan YouTube history, Japan content history for sure, so I don't want to lose that one. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's really, I, I, I got to blab it on here. I know people that don't know what I'm talking about. Go check it on the website, please. It's worth it, I promise. Uh, I'll, I'll put links to my favorite episodes. But I got to ask your partner, Raman, what is he doing? What is he up to? Are you guys still friends? Do you hate each other? What's the story? So literally, he dropped off the map. Um, we kept in touch for quite a while on um, on Facebook and stuff. He lives in in London, I think. And last I heard, there was a rumor. I think maybe it was Luca had heard from him that like he got married. And I don't know. I don't know what ended up happening to him because literally, you know, if they send him a message on Facebook, like it just would go into a black hole. So I hope he's okay. I hope he's out there somewhere. I hope he ends up hearing this and go, hey, Ramon, give me a call. Oh, yeah, we got to get the reunion on, on Kickstarter or something. I would definitely be behind that 100%. <laughs> right around 10 years, I was like, we should totally do this, but we couldn't get in touch with Ramon. And we were like, okay, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've talked about Yamada Davosi enough, I guess, but uh, you provide a lot of entertainment for me. It was really cool. <laughs> it's nice to meet a fan. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's get to the you know the normal interview I do here. So uh, how did you kind of get started in your life in Japan? What was your connection there? Let us know. So how did it start? It started when my mom brought a Nintendo Entertainment System home because she won bingo one day. Like, she's a, she was heavily into, you know, arcade games back in the day. Like, she always tells a story that there was a liquor store near our house, and she'd go play Ms. Pac-Man there for hours, and the uh, liquor store people would hold me as a baby while she'd be playing Ms. Pac-Man. So I think the, it, the roots run very deep. So I was really into games, and I remember in middle school... Like we were, uh, what was it? We were playing Secret of Mana and we had so much fun. We had the multi-tap, so there were three of us. And it was three of my, you know, nerdy buddies and I. We were just having the best time playing that game. Game was over. And again, same sort of thing. It's like, oh, we don't have an excuse to hang out. We need something new to do. We ended up starting D&D, which is uh, a whole nother story, um, which is popular now, but back in the day it was not. Um, so, but at the same time, then I was like, hey, wait, there's sequels to Secret of Mana. But they never made it across the ocean. And I'm like, oh, man, man, maybe I should learn Japanese, you know. And right around that time, I was in high school and they were putting, they put me in French. And I was just like, I have no, I don't, I don't want to study Spanish. My dad speaks Spanish. So I was like, yeah, that's, you know, you don't want to do what your dad does. And then I didn't want to speak French because I was like, I have no connection to France. I don't know even, you know, I didn't know what to think of it. And so I ended up talking to my counselor. She goes, well, if you want to, you can go to the community college and take some languages there. And so I was flipping through the, uh, the, the, their catalog and I saw Japanese and I was like, yeah, I want to take a Japanese class. That'd be fun. And it was, it was fantastic. I was like, you know, I was probably 16 at the time and I was with all these, these, uh, it was a night class and 
everybody was like college age people in that class. It was a community college. And they'd take me out and be like, hey, you want a beer? And I'm like, I'm actually much younger than you think I am. <laughs> but it was a blast and it really helped me kind of get out of my shell. And then right after high school, um, my physics teacher at the time, in 12th grade, he would do these basketball exchange. He was on the JET program and he'd do these basketball exchange programs. And he goes, oh, teach, uh, principal I used to work with um, is having a volunteer work camp in Kochi Prefecture. Do you want to go to Japan over the summer? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I want to go to Japan over the summer. And I, my Japanese was horrible, but I spent a month traveling around. We did the work camp for two weeks and the other two weeks I got a JR pass. I just had a blast. And so the second I arrived in college, I went to UCSB. I enrolled in Japanese classes thinking it would be, you know, my minor. I was going to take physics. And then I was like, oh, physics is hard. And so I ended up making Japanese my major. And uh, so I graduated early because I just loved it so much. And then I was like, what am I going to do? And I talked to that, that uh, teacher of mine. I said, you know, oh, I really want to go to Japan. He goes, why don't you do the JET program? Yeah, why don't I do the JET program? So he was saying, you should be a CIR because your Japanese is pretty good. I didn't have enough confidence at the time, so I just ended up as an ALT. But I got put out in Nakano Jomachi, which is out in Guma Prefecture, um, and uh, just had the best time. I mean, I'm not going to say that I didn't have the, the ups and downs like anyone does. Um, but I just, I, especially when I hit my third year, it was just, everything was just amazing. I would... You know, we had Yamato Damashi. I was in, I was involved with the, uh, excuse me, I was involved with the uh, Matsuri in town, you know. Um, and it was just really weird. Oh, you know, I got married. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and then I moved back to L.A. And it was just such a, like, harsh, you know, cut that for years I've been telling people, I was going, I'm going to go back someday. I'm going to go back someday. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. And uh, 13 years go by and I finally go, you know, I was, I, I had finally got into my like career. I'm doing IT now. And I was like, all right, I got a good job. And then like, I, I remember I was just being a rock star at this company. I was, I was, uh, setting up everything. I was like running three locations. It was just me and my boss. And my boss was like, whatever you do it. I don't know how to do that stuff. So I was like rock star. And then I asked for a raise and they're like, no, we're not going to give you a raise. And I was like, Everything is running because I've been working really hard for like five years. So that kind of disillusioned me a little bit. Um, and I started looking around for a new job. And then like, you know, everything in L.A., like I lived out in the boonies of L.A. It's out in the place called the Valley, the San Fernando Valley. It's the, the Valley girl fame. Um, and it's a two-hour drive to anywhere that has like a job center, really. And so I was sitting there going, God, I gotta, I'm going to have to drive out to Torrance to work if I get this new job. Like, oh, you know, I had a great interview. And I'm sitting there with that same teacher who sent me to uh, Japan the first time. Really weird story about him. I taught him how to brew beer. So he came over to my house one day while me and my brother were home brewing, and I taught him how to brew beer. And now he's starting a brewery in Kochi Prefecture. And he, when he said that, I was like, man, I should be doing that. And he says, why don't you come with me? And so for a little while, we kind of teamed up, and we thought we would open a brewery in Kochi. We ended up splitting because our visions were very different, and he's still doing it. And I kind of changed course and went, I wonder how my old town's doing. And I went back to my old town, and it was just been fantastic. Wow. I, I bet they were uh, surprised to see you, to say the least, for, for sure. But uh, before we get to that, you know, there's a big question. A lot of Jets listen to the show, obviously, and it's kind of a question of how to prepare for that career after Jet, right? I mean, how do you make the Jet experience look good in a resume? So can you talk about that? How did you kind of prepare and find that first job after the Jet program? 
so what I did was I went and applied uh, to a lot of, um, you know, I, was, I, I knew that I should be doing computers. Um, while I was on the JET program, I, I taught myself PHP because there's a lot of downtime when you're on the JET program. So I taught myself PHP. I taught myself uh, MySQL. I was like doing all of this technology stuff. And I was going, this is what my career should be. I'm good at this stuff. And so I started looking around at some, uh, you know, different entry-level IT stuff and I ended up finding a network operations center position for Square Enix, which I was like, oh my God, it's Square Enix. I was just talking about Secret of Mana, so I was like, oh man, Square Enix, That's, that, that'd be the dream. And um, so I ended up going into the interview and they were so impressed with my Japanese and they were really impressed that I ran a web server which also ties back in, that web server was what was hosting the Yamato Namashi videos. I don't want to pass over that point because, you know, you said you learned PHP yourself basically and kind of, you know, as you know, the JET program, you do have a lot of free time in most cases, a lot of vacations right, exactly. in some cases. And you, <laughs> I think the people that do the best are people that kind of use that time to their advantage by either study Japanese, do, learning a skill like you did. Uh, that's really good stuff and I recommend everyone does that. Uh, use your time wisely. You have a lot of free time, you better use it. Uh, but I got to ask, you know, you, you sound like you had a great time JET program. Um, but you decide there's a lot of ways you could work in Japan to keep your time in Japan going, but you decided not to. So can you talk about that decision? must've been tough. That was the worst that I still have like nightmares about that decision. It was just such a, it was one of those things where my town gave me, they said, you know what? We'll hire you private because you're, you speak Japanese, you take care of yourself. You know, you don't have to, I, like I went and got my driver's license by myself and they were all like, when did you do that? We're supposed to help you with that. And I was like, Hey, whatever. It's not a big deal. Um, so they were like, oh, we'll give you another year. Um, but then they were like, but you have to tell us by tomorrow. And I was like, oh my goodness, tomorrow, how there's, so I, I remember I went home and I sat with my wife and I was just like, how do I make this decision in 24, less than 24 hours? And I, I did that, you know, where you take the four, like, okay, what if I want to stay? What if I want to go? What if I stay and what if I go? And what are the what are the consequences of each of those? And it it was obvious that my only option, since I didn't know if I wanted to stay or go, was to say no, and to go. You know, if if I really want to stay in Japan, I got to find something. Um, I still kick myself a little bit about that to this day. I mean, it led to great things. So I, you know, every decision has leads to something else. Um, but I remember at the time I was a little bit like, it was a little traumatic. And it was funny because the guy who was my kacho at the time, who, you know, says, oh, yeah, we'd love to hire you for, for another year. Um, tell us by tomorrow. He's now the mayor of the town. <laughs> <laughs> he worked his way up uh, through the ranks there. But yeah, I guess you never know what happened, right? You never know. You never know. Bad. You never know. Yeah. But uh, so how about, you know, the decision to move to Japan, right? Take your wife. That was living in America. You have an IT career saying, okay, F that basically. I want to you know, make a pizza joint in Japan. Yes. What was that decision like? That's got to be insane, especially with kids. I mean, that's, okay. I can't imagine it. That was a huge decision, but it, was, it, was, it felt so right at the time. Like it was one of those things where like all the history between me and that teacher, you know, he was the one who sent me to Japan the first time. He was the one that suggested the JET program. And so at some point, when I, after I taught him how to homebrew, he just was, he's one of those, you know, he was a physics teacher. So he had this very analytical mind and he was doing experiments. He was the first one ever, he would do one gallon batches of uh, smash, you know, single hops, single, single malt. And he would then vary the malt or the hops between, no, it was the same hops, but he would vary the time that he put it in the boil. And 
it was just, I, I'll never forget that experience because he brought these beers and he says, okay, you got to try them from this end to this end. And we had them one by one. And it literally was like the first beer was super skunky. You're like, oh my God, this is going to be the most bitter IP. And then you take a taste and there was absolutely no hops flavor to it. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you smell it, you go, it smells like a pale ale, if even. Excuse me. And uh, it ended up tasting very, very hoppy. And I was going, wow, this guy's really putting the work in to understand all the different parts of beer making. And um, so then, you know, fast forward many years, he's, he was a, still a teacher. And he actually could have waited a couple more years and he could have retired, but he was just so sick of teaching in LASD that he decided, nope, I'm going to bounce and go uh, start a brewery in Kochi. And uh, there's a lot of story behind that. And if you ever want to interview him, he'll tell you the full story behind that. But um, it was funny because he told us, I, I want to say it was right around October. I think it might have been a Halloween party in his backyard. And he says, yeah, I just want to announce everybody, we're going to move to Japan and start a brewery. So for months, I was sitting there going, God, that guy, how dare, how dare he go to Japan without me? Like, <laughs> I taught him to brew. He owes me, you know? Like, there's just, you know, and I was like, oh, man, I've been saying this for years that I was going to go back to Japan and start a bar. It was always what I told people. And um, so there we were sitting there on a Super Bowl. It was the Super Bowl party that he had, same backyard. And he looks at me and goes, I don't think I can do it. And I go, don't you tell me that. Don't tell me that you can't do it. I was just sitting here going, I think I should do it too. And then he looks at me and goes, why don't we do it together? And I was like, yes. <laughs> I, was very, I was very inebriated at the time. And my wife, like, we went home and my wife was like, okay, let's talk about it for a little while while you're sober and let's see what happens. And, you know, <laughs> just the position I was in my life, it was really a turning point. My, my kids are getting older, such to the point where I was going, you know, if we, I would have liked to have moved a little earlier even if I just got my, my uh, mind in it. Um, my youngest one just went into first grade this year and my oldest one went into fifth grade. Um, we're trying to help him with his kanji. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I went through learning Japanese, so I, I, I think he can do it. He's a smart kid. Um, and so it was, it was, was like a huge decision. It was, it was a huge decision. It was like now or never, basically it came down to thinking about it going, I gotta try it. You know, I, I, I ended up keeping my house in LA. Like I, I kept that and I'm renting it out. We have this little cute house out in the, it was like 800 square feet out in the boondocks of LA. And I said, you know, somebody will rent it. And it took months till somebody rented it. So I was to get really, like I was sweating the first Very few easy. months here. Um, but somebody's renting it. So like, we always go, okay, if worse comes to worse, we could always go home. We have, a, we have an exit strategy. Um, but at the same time, it's just been lovely. It's been such a wonderful time moving back to Japan. And I have really, there's a lot that I missed. And I've been really waiting for this like first winter to be the, oh, you know, this is where it starts going down. You start regretting your decisions. And so far, so good. <laughs> yeah, really you, you have to wait till like you get that first day where it's, it's colder outside than inside. That's when you really know. <laughs> but we're going back to your town. I mean, that had to be crazy, right? I mean, everyone has to be like, oh my God, Jesse's back. <laughs> Can you talk about that? Yeah, what was that like? Yeah. It, it was funny because a lot of the, you know, it, the whole crew is still there. A lot of the people I knew in town. I worked with the uh, the town office since my, I was part of the board of education. So I, you know, we would barbecue together. We had bone bone together, and a lot of them have just moved up the ranks in the uh, in the town office. So a lot of them are still kicking around. One guy started a restaurant in our in our onsen town, which is up in the in the mountains, uh, you know, above the main part of our town. Um, but yeah, everybody was still there, and so it was really. And, you know, people's lives had moved on. I mean, some, of, some people got divorced. Some people had kids. Some people, you know, it was, it, 
everybody really like life went on, but at the same time, it's really comforting to see a lot of the same thing. Yeah, I'm sure it was like, you know, a rock star coming home or something, you know, but uh, I got to ask about also you, the visa situation. A lot of people ask about, you know, how could I do this, you know, without this? So what's what's your what's your secret there? What visa did you get for the business to happen? I'm doing the cheat. I got the cheat codes on. My wife is Japanese. So like that was really made the uh, the, the visa situation a whole, you know, that's that makes it. It's one of those things where people ask me, they go, hey, how do I get a visa? And I'm like, I have nothing to tell you. I'm so sorry. But, you know, um, it's tough. I, I, I've seen a lot of, I've talked to a lot of people who have done, you know, a lot of people have different ways that they get in with, uh, you know, typically it's you find a job um, and that job is willing to sponsor you. Um, it seems to be the, the course that I see a lot of people take. And then, again, it's, it's an obscene amount of time. But if you're here long enough, eventually... They let you stay, I guess. Um, I am currently still on the once a year renewal visa at the moment. So it's, uh, I just did my first renewal uh, in November and I turned it in. I was like, I wonder how many years I'm going to get. And when I got the one year, I was like, damn it. Okay. Okay. So I got to put in my work. I got to put in my time. Yeah. yeah. You never so. know how the, the, that guy is feeling that day and whether, how many years you get. Uh, but what are you doing to, because the office restaurant's not even ready yet. It's not open yet. So how do you kind of support yourself now? Are you going off savings or how's that, how's that working? Literally just doing IT contracts um, just because the way I see it is I don't want something long-term. I don't want to be a Seishain. I don't want to work somewhere forever. So if I can find some, some good contracts, because I, you know, I, I, I learned a lot in my time as an IT guy. Um, so there's a lot of different jobs that I've been able to find contracts for. In fact, I have one coming up. Uh, this one's coming up ending in July, uh, January 31st. So I'm in the process of looking for another one. But, you know, they're out there. Um, they, they, the pay rates are, are really all across the board. Um, and it's just one of those things that it'll keep me employed and let me save a little bit of money. Um, I'm going cheap. You know, I, I'm not going to lie. That was one of the parts that me and, me and my uh, friend, we didn't see eye to eye with. I was like, let's just go cheap. You know, we, let's do what we know how to do and not go overboard. And he was a little more big picture. He's like, no, we got to do it right the first time. So I'm, I'm going in at the, uh, here we, in my town, you know, it's a, it's kind of a touristy town because there's an onsen. And so we have a train station, we have an onsen and there's a place in between those two called uh, Tsumuji, which they have the, it's kind of like, a uh, I'm trying to think what it, it's just, it's a tourist trap is really what it is. You know, it's got a parking lot, the bus, all the buses stop there. And it's got a couple stores in there. And um, at first I was like, I want to open a store right in front of the train station. But there was nothing available. There was one store that opened up a couple months before we moved to Japan. And they're selling craft beer. And I was like, oh my God, they're doing what I wanted to do. They're right in front of the train station. And I was like, oh, I was too late. And then I walked in there because I was like, well, at least there's some craft beer in town. And it turned out it was run by one of my former students. So. That is a current. That is currently a, a completely amicable situation. They have their own niche. They're not doing pizza. I'm going to be doing pizza, and I have a slightly different opinion on craft beer than they do. So I, there's, as of right now, not a whole lot of overlap. Um, and there's plenty of people visit our town. And it's again, if it's an onsen town, you get a lot of tourists, and that's really the only thing keeping this town in the mountains alive. So who's, I mean, what, what is your role in this going to be? Are you the man making the pizza? You're the man with the drinks? You're making the beer? You're doing everything? Is your wife helping out? Do you have employees? How, how is that all working? So it's mainly me and my wife. Um, I am the, I'm the pizza chef 
and the craft beer guy. And she's the like, you know, reality check behind me going, okay, well, what about this? What about this? And I go, okay, okay, okay. I actually think about this stuff. Because I'm like, I make great pizza. And oh, man, I make great beer. Let's do this. And, you know, slowly but surely, place, putting the pieces together. Um, and it's just basically so we, right as we landed, it turned out we found out that some of those, after we couldn't find a spot in front of the train station, um, that that tourist trap is opening up. And we went, we got to get a spot there. And the rent is super inexpensive. It's sort of an incubator. You know, they want people to, it's only a 10-year contract. You can't stay there for more than 10 years. That's a long time, but still, um, it's a low rent. Um, they pay half your rent the first three years, I want to say. <clears throat> and so it's really low barrier to entry. Um, and that's, I, I tell people this, the Inaka, like, they're really trying to get people to do things in their towns. And so it, it, it really couldn't hurt that if you have an idea like this, to just go to a town's town office and just test the waters to see how, just say your crazy idea and see what they think. I mean, my friend who's starting the brewery in uh, Kochi, his town office, his town is paying for most of the brewery. Um, so it's one of those things where I think there's a lot of opportunity that is really unseen right now in the uh, countryside. Yeah, it's interesting because <clears throat> it's interesting because you know you see say people uh, it, it, think the small towns are dying in Japan, everyone's running away, going to the cities, but maybe. You know, there's some little there's value there for people to find some active opportunities like you did. Of course, we'll see if you're successful or not. We don't know that, of right, course. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm interested. I know you're talking about doing a brewery and stuff too. So how how is that going to work? I mean, are you just gonna is this going to be your full time thing once the once the the business starts? I guess is the question I have. So right now the plan is to have, my wife is going to do it during the week, and I'm going to continue working in Tokyo actually as a. Uh, because we also want to save money for the brewery part of it. And rather than go you know, all in on the, on the uh, pizza shop and hope that it gives us savings, we're going to just you know, put, our, put our nose to the, to, the, to the floor and get it done. And uh, so I'm going to still work in Tokyo and then on the weekends in the shop. And you know, it's, it's going to be a lot of work, but I, another like thing that really influenced me, which, you know, going back to YouTube and whatnot, if, have you ever seen the pizza show on, uh, I think it's, is it Munchies or is it Vice that does it? Oh, no, I it is, it is wonderful. It is just the best, this, the, it, they just follow this one pizza chef and his, tra he travels around like the whole country and then internationally uh, talking about pizza. And I'll never forget, they go to one shop. It's, you know, a storied old shop somewhere in New York, I want to say. And the guy goes, I've never worked a day in my life. And he's like, while he says that, he's making pizzas. And they're like, what are you talking about? And he goes, I've never worked a day in my life. I'm just hanging out making pizzas. I don't care. You know, I get all my friends come in and I get to hang out with them all day long. How happy could I be? So like, that's my dream. You know, like I, I even right now I have pizza parties at my house because um, I got to test out my recipes and whatnot. And I just, people are going, you know, don't you want to join the party? And I go, I'm, I'm right here. I'll make a pizzas. You guys come here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool. Do you have another slice, please. So that's how I, I'm hoping that it, it'll be like that. I'll just, you know, I, of course there'll be new faces, but at the same time, I'll just be hanging out at the little store and uh, seeing what happens. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, we haven't said the store name yet. The store is called the Blue Ribbon. The Blue Ribbon. And uh, yeah, it has social media, everything. I'll put the links to Twitter and everything. Follow Thank them on so Twitter. Much. Support uh, Jesse here because uh, yeah. 
I always like to wrap it up with kind of saying what we learned in this interview from you. And, and sometimes it's a kind of a stretch to think of something. But uh, with you, I think it's very easy. Uh, you know, as you as we've walked through this interview, we've seen all these things you've done and worked at, you know, you, there's so many examples of you doing what you kind of put your heart to. And, and so many people right. can make ideas and things, right. but no one really acts on it. And there's so many things you act on here. You know, you, you went, you were a jet. Didn't didn't stay too long on Jet. We're working on, on oh, Jet. Yeah. We're working on getting your programming skills up. Then you went to Square. Work at Square Enix. Wanted to do that. And then you got this Absolutely. crazy pizza idea and came back to Japan. You know, it's just you're not just idea man. You're making it happen. And it's tough decisions sometimes too. Exactly. You just got like it's one of those things you can't you can't dwell on things for too long. I mean, you got to do what's best for your family. But at the same time, if you can make it happen, you know, you only get one chance. And so. You know, you may as well make the best of it while you're here. Yeah, well, Jesse, as a, as a Yamato Damashi fan, <laughs> it was great to talk to you. And not just because of that, because of your 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 outlook on things and your drive. And uh, if I ever in Guma, I will definitely go there to shake your hand in person because uh, it would be a lot of fun for me. This was a lot of fun. I, hope I can't wait to see you. People listening can learn something from your ways. Uh, but uh, I wish you the best of luck in everything. And yeah, hope this pizza joint uh, lasts forever. So thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. I really hope you enjoyed today's Inside Japan podcast. Dive deeper into our world and learn more about what awaits you. Check out ALTinsider.com. And for regular up-to-the-minute job postings, check into jobsinjapan.com for the next big gig. Please tune in for our regular excursions into the world of Japan. And good luck. Gambate. Don't